Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We're focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Beth Hilving, co-CEO of C-Suite with... And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite, and we are so delighted to be on LinkedIn Live today, so thank you for streaming in. This week, we are speaking with Susan Levin. Susan is president of Dialogue for Solutions. She is a global facilitator, coach, trainer, mediator, and organization development practitioner with over 30 years of experience. Susan's worked with thousands of employees in a variety of organizations in the U.S., as well as in more than 40 countries. So welcome, Susan. We're happy to have you here today. Thanks so much, Diane and Beth. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So tell us about yourself and how your career and your journey has led you to where you are today. Sure. Yeah, because you don't grow up saying, I want to be a coach. All of a sudden, you become one, and I, I know people swear by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I turned 30, and that was a pivotal time in my life, and I saw that there were people who um, were making a living uh, being independent and freelancing, and I was working for a telecommunications consulting firm at the time, and um you know, freelancing and independent uh, work wasn't that common way back then. And so um, I realized, though, that I could give it a go. And uh, if it didn't work, I'd be looking for another job. So it uh, it ended up working. Um, I didn't quit my day job, however. And what I was able to do was get one client uh, that was a client in the same telecommunications industry and put on conferences and publications and such. And so um, I worked with her while I still uh, had my full-time job. And um, 34 years later, I'm, I'm still being uh, an independent uh, global consultant. And so um, eventually I went from uh, organizing conferences and then I did writing and editing and eventually to facilitating, coaching, mediating, training and organization development services, which I'm doing today. Wow. So so your side hustle became your full-time career. We love that. <laughs> Beth and I were just talking about that. So um, so you've worked with companies all over the world. What are some of tell us about like a complex coaching or organizational development situation that you had? Yes. So um one of them that was complex for me was um, the first time I coached in another language. So I speak Spanish um, conversantly, not necessarily fluently, um, but this person wanted to be coached in Spanish and uh, she was patient with me and we had our sessions and she achieved her goals that she wanted to to get uh, done in, in coaching. And so um, that was a great experience for me. And um, I also had an ex uh, a time when I was coaching a, um, a director and his deputy director, and they just did not get along. And so while I was coaching them individually, I was asked to try to help them reconcile and find common ground. And so we did. We had several sessions, got together, and I used a mediated approach whereby each person had a chance to speak from their perspective of what the issue was. And then uh, I constantly asked them questions about 
well, what can work? How can they come together and and find common ground? And eventually they did, and it improved the working relationship. And I'm sure as you can appreciate, that's that's not just a one-time situation. So we had to have follow-up conversations and each of them had to make an, a commitment and you know ultimately be accountable to each other to work through it. Right, right. So is is there a particular department or niche that you have within even within an organization? Well, um, I'm an independent consultant, um, which I've been for all these years, uh, and I also am an expert in conflict resolution. So I'm a certified mediator. Uh, I teach a graduate level class at Columbia University on the complexity of conflict and change management. So I would say that's one of my expertise. And um, so really, it's about, you know, looking at what are people's needs. And if you think about, you know, drawing a Venn diagram, one person's needs, the other person's needs, and where's the intersection. So that's the common ground that we strive for and really hope that both people will be able to compromise and come around. Needless to say, um, a mediated approach doesn't always work, um, but it's certainly something that we come to. And, and hopefully the people are involved are learning something from the process just by virtue of trying to be creative in coming up with some solutions to the problems that they're involved with. Oh, that's fabulous. So I was reading through uh, your history and your bio, and I saw that you're particularly passionate about advocating for women and girls across the globe. And um, I'd love to know more about your actions and activities in that space and what you're passionate about. And so would our audience, I'm sure. Sure, absolutely. Yes, there's alignment. That's great. Well, um, one project I was working on was um, after the war in Bosnia. And I uh, worked with an organization called Women for Women International, which was also working with the Grameen Bank. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar or your listeners are familiar. The Grameen Bank uh, was one of the first microcredit loan organizations and started in Bangladesh by a professor who um, was asked by a woman off the street if she would loan him some money. And, um, you know, he said, yes, of course. Yeah, I'll give you some money. I don't expect it back. She said, no, I will repay you. I promise that. And she ended up doing that. She repaid him the small amount of money that he gave her. And it gave him an idea to start this organization because the research shows that women are reliable borrowers. They will pay back their loans at about 96, 98%. And that's what this project was all about. It was starting a microcredit loan program for women in war-ravaged Bosnia after the war because they just didn't have much at all there. So the loans were to help them, uh, you know, start cafes or they would buy chickens to sell eggs in the market or they did um, hand, handicrafts and crocheting, which they could also sell. And so as part of that project, we went into the villages, uh, household by household, to see if we could get women involved. And of course, they needed to ask permission from their husbands, because that's, mm-hmm. that's the culture. And eventually, we got a pilot group together. Uh, of about 20 women. And um, part of what I was doing was recognizing that in a situation like that, where each person is responsible for everybody's loan. So if one person defaults, the whole or the whole group has to pay it back. Wow. There can be some 
conflict, yeah, that arises from that. And so as a result, we talked about some ways to solve potential problems that, that could come up. And so that uh, project was very successful. There's been more than 200 borrowers that have been involved. And Women for Women International works around the world, mostly in conflict-ridden places. And then they also pair up American and Canadian women with providing funds and letters to women who are in these very difficult um, war-ravaged countries. So it's a wonderful organization, and I was really pleased to be um, part of that. Wow. Are you still involved? Um, I I still give um, funding to them as uh, donations Mm -hmm. and uh, and definitely support uh, their continued work. Right. And you work with other women's groups, too, like Women in Government Relations and the Gender Practitioners Collaborative. What what, what are those, and, and how do you support them? Yes. So for both those groups, uh, I have facilitated retreats for them uh, in strategic planning, so helping them envision their future, and then also in strengthening the way that the group works together. So um, Women in Government is a nonpartisan professional society uh, for those who have responsibilities and interests in the field of government relations and public affairs. So they were founded in 1975, and they have over 200 members um, at every career level in government, and they represent a wide array of private, nonprofit, and public sector organizations. So you're getting them to talk across the aisle, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All parties are represented there. And they the women all come with just a deep bench of knowledge and expertise and experience. And the, my programs are always very engaging and interactive uh, with movement. Uh, so people aren't just sitting and listening and in in talking in their from their heads, but also from their hearts and and from their actions. So by the end, they um, there's you know concrete commitments. Uh, the Gender Practitioners Collaborative it's an informal group of um, U.S. based gender advisors and gender experts from international development and humanitarian organizations, and they really want to promote the practice of gender equity and equality, um, which they work on by mainstreaming that within their organizations. And they come up with standards that organizations can use by which they're monitoring their level of gender equity. So both really good and important organizations. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So part of your philosophy is to focus on people's strengths at work. Why is that? which I think is great, but why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all have many strengths and areas of expertise and experience. And what I find is when I ask about that in organizations and both for individuals and the collective um, company, uh, people get energized and motivated to even identify that, learn about that in others, and then think about it organizationally or in their teams or or offices, because in any system, there are always things that are working. And so really focusing in on that leverages that ability to then tackle the problems. So interestingly, um, people who are able to use their strengths at work are at least six times more engaged in their work. And that's according to a book called StrengthsFinder by Tom Rath, which is published by the Gallup organization. And they have researched this. They have an assessment called StrengthsFinder, 
which millions of people have taken over many years. And so they have really um, dug, dug deep and put together this research and looked at the algorithms and created this assessment, which has been modified over time. So they define our strength as talent, you know, natural ability, uh, which times investment of practice and time. And it's much easier to improve your strengths than it is to focus on your weaknesses or areas to improve. The acceleration rate of that is just so much better, even though we, we tend to be focused on the what's not working or what's broken and what do we have to fix which isn't to say we don't pay attention to that. We just come at it by leveraging strengths and abilities. And therefore we have so much more momentum and motivation to use to get at those situations. Well, and to, to balance it off of each other, right? You know, even like my husband and I did that. So we try to use each other's strengths in a positive way to get more done, right? So, which is good. That's excellent. That's awesome. But at Beth, Beth at work, have you had that opportunity too, since you've had, you know, larger teams reporting to you to look at people's strengths? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 I have noticed though that there used to be such a heavy focus on testing, you know, all the different, Mm -hmm. um, and I've noticed some of that gone away. Have you seen that, Susan, that they're not doing all the Meyer-Briggs testing as much, or are you seeing the opposite in corporate America? Yeah, I, I actually, um, I, I see a fair amount of that because I think those assessments, while they in some ways tell us what we already know, um, we don't necessarily know that about the other. And so it does provide, you know, an external researched and proven way to figure out then, okay, so what are the styles of the people I'm working with? And therefore, what do I need to adapt in my own style? Because that's the only thing I can really control in order to best communicate, you know, maybe have those difficult conversations we might need to have and be able to be more productive uh, collectively so that we don't get stuck in some of those conflicts that really prevent us from getting the best results we can. Right. And so um, what, what tools do you use? Like, how do you put that in place within the environments you work with, the strengths so I would use the strengths finder often uh, because I think that again, what what that results in is everybody gets their top five strengths out of a possible thirty four, and they're pretty broad. I mean, they're about um, you're a learner, or you're a collaborator, or you're a uh, a researcher, um, and then having exercises about okay, how do you apply those to your job? And I have created a tool that's like a matrix where everybody involved in, say, a retreat that I'm doing or meetings would complete this. And so they'd have in one column their top responsibilities. Then they'd have their strengths and the experience and expertise they bring that they apply. How do they apply that to their top responsibilities? And then another column would actually ask them, so what areas of the work that the office does are you interested in And you don't get to do very much of, but you'd like to be more involved in. And that really helps supervisors and managers and directors see where people's interests lie, which can help for their professional development. And as they have new assignments come up, they can then best know who could we give this to and how might I allow for people to play to their strengths more often by knowing it in advance. Have you had resistance 
for people? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's so interesting. The first time it came up, I was I was actually surprised. Uh, but what happened was when I was encouraging this group to use the strengths finder and then talk about their strengths, write them down, get them up on flip charts around the room. And then one exercise I do that I think is really a way to build confidence is people will write additional strengths they see of that person anonymously, either on post-it notes or on the charts. And so then people end up with a, a, a chart full of compliments about how people see their strengths. So starting that in this particular group, there was a person who said, but now wait a minute, this feels like I'm boasting. You know, this feels like, yeah, I'm, you know, where's the humility? And my response to that is, well, first of all, you've been asked to do it and everybody's been asked. So it is a little unusual to even be asked that. And then it's really not necessarily bragging when you are just stepping fully into who you are. It actually helps you be your authentic self even more. And so after that conversation and then getting into that activity, um, I think she saw it a very different way. Okay. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Yes. That was good. That was a good way to, to put forward. Interesting. So you come in and then you go and then how do they maintain it? <laughs> or do they have to keep calling you to do new strengths? How do organizations keep it moving? Yes. I think that you have to be intentional and strategic about that, right? So if you've got these tools like the matrix I mentioned or you've got, you know, the results of your strengths finder. There's also another one called strengths uh, insight, strengths in, insight inventory. There's some other, you know, assessments out there. I think you just bring it back. Um, I was working with one group where uh, it was a leadership team in this uh, uh, business, and they actually brought their name cards to every leadership meeting with their top strengths. Uh, typed on their, their, their name card. And during some of the meetings I was at, I heard some people say, you know, one person said, hey, you're really using your strength of this when you are making that kind of comment. And so they, they just continually used it till it became ingrained. I think probably they know each other's strengths by heart wow. now, wow. <laughs> actually. So I thought that was a really really useful and um, great way to make it sustainable over time. So how do you how do you advise someone to use their strengths as they're interviewing um, to not sound boastful, but to put it in a way that helps them in the interviewing process? Well, you know, it's interesting, Beth, one thought I had on using, say, even the results of the strengths finder or quoting people who have complimented you mm. for something you've done as a way to even bring that into an interview. So it isn't even you saying it about yourself. It's, well, here's what's been said about me, or here are my top five strengths and here's how I use them. So I think it provides a bit of um, external proof of what somebody is, is good at. And I think that may even lend itself um, to a stronger way to demonstrate your strengths and explain them. Right. Because in many ways for the interviewer, they need they need to hear it more than you need to say it. And so unless they hear it, they're not going to know it for sure. Exactly. And, you know, 
as you two know, in interviews, often people are presented with scenarios, right? What would you do in this case um, (laughs) kind of thing? (laughs) That never happens to you, Beth, right? (laughs) I'm sure she um, coaches quite a few people. I see it quite a lot. You got to Tell people about your skills, uh, for sure, for sure. That's right, exactly. You have to lean in, as 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 is often said, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And Susan, so how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> oh well, my company is Dialogue for Solutions. So I am S Levin L E V I N at Dialogue D I A L O G U E F O R. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S dot com. It's a long one, but it means <laughs> it means that I, I really guide people to find their own wisdom and strengths and knowledge to resolve their their problems. And and so what all what are all the services you provide? So I provide one-on-one coaching as well as team coaching. Um, I find that if you can do that in conjunction, it's really powerful. Because it's important for people to be self-aware and improve the way they see things and also to identify their goals. And, you know, as coaches, we can help people be accountable to themselves. And we do all that not through telling them what to do, but asking lots of questions that brings out that inner wisdom and that knowledge. And so I also do um, organization development services, which means I work with um, companies and nonprofits and federal government agencies to take them through a, a longer process. It's not just a one or two off kind of meeting facilitation, but really looking more deeply at what's the vision, what are the strategic objectives. I'm working with one group right now where they want to restructure, so helping them to do that. And, and then being able to um, look at what needs to change and what doesn't. Not everything needs to, needs to shift, right? And that's where the strengths and, and acknowledging what's working comes in. Because then we keep that good base and that good foundation intact. Yeah, no, that's great. It's all those great mediation skills at work. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we want to thank you so much, Susan, for being with us today. And thank you for being part of C-Suite as well. My pleasure. We want to thank our sponsors, Google, Paul Hastings, City National Bank, Manette Law Firm, Interpublic Group, and of course, Amplify Professional Services, Executive Search and IT Consulting. And thank you for listening. And Diane, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Hit the subscribe button, please, on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Please leave us a review, a good one. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, follow us on social media. We're all over LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And send us an email. Beth, I'm giving them your email address, Beth at csweet.org. And check out our website. We're always looking for new members. We welcome you and come join the journey we're taking. Thank you again for listening.